welcome to another episode of New Teacher Talk. We're here to support you. Our podcast channel is intentionally designed to support those who are new to teaching. We talk about the most common challenges that educators experience. And you'll find a community of support through our podcast episodes on Instagram, New Teacher Talk, and Twitter, at New Teacher Talk One. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Anna. My passion is supporting teachers as they establish and expand their practice to build long and fulfilling careers. I'm a board-certified early childhood generalist. And I'm Dr. Beth, former high school band director and current career and teacher educator. A passion that is deeply important to me is the retention of new teachers. If you're listening to this podcast, either you are or will be a new teacher in the near future. Or maybe you're a new teacher mentor or induction coordinator. We all agree that becoming a successful teacher is challenging. Today, we have a well-established educator to talk about communication and relationship building. Today, our guest is Leanna Malinowski. Leanna has 14 years of teaching experience at various grade levels in general education, special education, and ESL. She's a practicing teacher who's currently working with second grade and ESL students in Cataract, New Jersey. Welcome, Leanna. Thank you for having me, Anna and Beth. It's a pleasure to be here today. Please share with our listeners why it's so important to build relationships with parents. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite topics as a teacher to talk about, especially with early educators, because developing those strong relationships with the families that are in our class and in our school really establishes a foundation for everyone, especially in your early years. You get to meet the families, see what the family dynamics are, and you get to know your students a little bit better so you can build those strong relationships with them throughout the school year. Thank you, Leanna. I find also that as a beginning educator, it's important to develop those relationships so that you can feel that you're part of that community, especially if you're new to the community. I totally agree. I remember my first few years in my current school district, I made it a point to get to know the families because I wasn't aware of the culture of the community and where things were. And through them, I really got to have an understanding of the community dynamics. And since then, it's just grown from there. Leanna, share more with us. In particular, how does knowledge of parent dynamics help a new teacher work with their students? The knowledge of understanding the parent dynamics or whatever the family structure consists of, because we know families are very diverse and there is no particular one size fits all what consists of a family. It's really important to know because those students come into school and they bring a little piece of home with them every day. They bring their families with them sort of on their shoulders or in their backpacks, if we want to put it that way. So when we get to understand what's behind the scenes and what they do after school and before school, we can help them throughout the day especially if they're having that difficult day or if they're really excited about something. And it really creates that trust establishment with your students. And it also creates the trust with your families because they know that you care enough to reach out and take the time to get to know them personally. So I find that it's really important and it helps you to understand, again, what the students are coming to school with. I really like how you mentioned that they bring their families on their shoulders or in their backpacks. That's such an insightful statement. 
I like to think of it as students just don't come to school with supplies anymore. They come to school today, especially we've seen in the past few years with more things than we could really take into consideration or account for. And even in my 14 years, I still have those moments where I'm surprised at different things that families are sharing with me that may be going on at home. I really appreciate that. I really like to reach out to my families, just what I call simple check-ins or checkups and say, hey, it's been two weeks. I haven't really spoken with you. And how are things going? So it's really important as a teacher to take that initiative and reach out. So the family feels that if there is something that is wrong or they're going through a hardship of some kind, that they can turn to you, confide in you, and trust that you're going to help them through it and help their child through it throughout the day and be understanding of why they may not be focused or why there's certain things on their mind instead of their schoolwork. That's so often true. And I really appreciated that you mentioned the fact that it's important to be aware of what's happening with families and that you've built a relationship with them from a positive standpoint before there are any opportunities where you might have to reach out to them with some kind of an issue or problem. That's so important that you've developed a positive relationship with the family so that you are ready as a team to be able to address any problems or issues that a student may have. And I I totally agree. It's been something that I've been working on still, again, with my background and my experiences. It's something I'm always trying to work on. And the past few years, I've had the wonderful blessing of having a great co-teacher. And one of the things that we wanted to do we wanted to make sure that we start off the year on the right foot. And that would be the hugest piece of advice I could probably offer to early educators is get started right in September. You're going to be 100% overwhelmed, but it's going to be 100% worth it. We offer even before back to school night, a simple in and out teacher meet and greet, especially with the technology these days, using Zoom is a wonderful thing. We can make it on our own time and what works for our schedules in the evening and even what works for family schedules and their dynamic. We get to know the families right away in an informal setting, no back to school presentations or curriculum talks, just a simple come meet the teacher. We want to meet you. Tell us something special about your family. And the past few years that we've been doing that, every year the response gets more and more positive. I always say it's better to start off positive and start off very early. Oh, I agree. When I was teaching, I would always call a family probably a week or so before school actually started just to introduce myself so that they could share the things that they felt were important about their child. One of the other things that I asked parents to do at the very beginning of the year was to tell me what their hopes and wishes for their student were for that year. In that sense, I always was thinking about what they really valued for their child. And then at the end of the year would always send them that paper back with a narrative about how their child had met or exceeded some of those dreams and hopes with some next steps to think about. So that's always a good way to think about involving the family and knowing what they want for their child. I totally agree with that. One of the things that I've learned how to do a little bit better as time has gone on through technology is send out a family survey, much like uh, you said, you sent your paper out in the beginning of the year. And I ask families, you know, what do you think your child's strengths are academically speaking, um, even outside talents? Do they like dance or sports? You know, what is something you would like to work on together this year? Because it is a team process and it's a team goal. We want to work as a team together to achieve those goals, especially with technology and Google Forms making it so easy 
easy for delivery for most families. It's been a really great response. And that's given me some extra goals to work on as a teacher. I keep that in my sort of virtual teacher binder, if you will. And I check up on that throughout the year. And then during conference time, I sort of pull those goals back out so we can revisit them. And for the families that don't have access to technology, sometimes just a simple form and a folder uh, does the trick as well. So no matter how we deliver it, it's important to, like you said, gain that perspective from the families, what their goals and what their hopes are for the year. Absolutely. One of the things that we often see as educators is that as students age, parents become increasingly less involved with the school and their students. So what can we as teachers do to keep parents engaged with the school as their children age? I think that as the students get older and families, like you said, sometimes um, aren't as involved. I've seen families that are still very involved. So that's a very wonderful thing to see. But as families part ways a little bit, I think it's important for us as teachers to involve the student more and have the student be aware and help us have a student teacher conference and have them be in charge and show their families their progress or things that they're struggling with. I've also listened to some great webinars and even other podcasts recently about developing a school committee that their sole goal is to have family outreach and family participation in the community. The school districts that I've learned from those webinars, they were very successful with it. So my wheels are spinning for my own personal school and district that maybe perhaps it's not even just a classroom or a classroom teacher problem to solve, but it really is a community goal or something to work on together so we can have families continue to be involved even as students get to the middle school or high school level. And when we include things I think that are beyond academics, such as sport activities, leisure activities, or little free libraries, things that the families can get involved in, but they don't feel, okay, it's another professional development, or it's another workshop for families to learn how to help your student read better. But other topics that interest them, I think that that's a real big key component. We want to reach out and see what the family's needs are in the community and try to service them that way. And I think that that's a real important element to look at when we're trying to get them to come back when the students are older and be more involved. Thank you, Leanna. What I'm hearing from this discussion are two really strong themes coming out here. I'm hearing teaming and communicating, you know, working with our communities, working with our parents, involving the parents community in the school together collectively. There is a lot of agency in that approach. Leanna, what are some of the best ways you found to authentically communicate with parents? I would definitely say number one, be yourself. And I think families view us as that's my child's teacher and that's it. We're the family, they're the teacher, they know, and we're learning from them. So the second step to that is share part of yourself. In the welcome videos my co-teacher and I create at the beginning of the year, we share things that aren't related to education. Don't get me wrong. We share plenty of things that are books that we love, our degrees and accolades, but I share with them, for example, when I was a child, I was a competitive figure skater and that's a wow moment. I get more responses on that than that I have a degree in early childhood education and I'm a certified reading specialist. That's what gets that moment. To get that authentic response, I think we have to be our authentic self as a teacher and just as a person and let them know that we're people too. And we may not understand exactly what they're going through or our family dynamics may be different, but we have our own struggles and our own strengths. 
And again, like you said, it is a team effort. So if we get to know each other, then we can establish that trust from the beginning. The next step is to let them be open with you and give them that space, be it through a survey or a private message, perhaps, or even a video. I encourage my families to use one of the platforms, Flipgrid, to respond back to me through a video. And I say, you know, show me your favorite dance or part of your house, if you would like, or if you have artwork, share a part of your culture, your history, things that are meaningful to you, because I want to get to know you and your family before the school year starts. So I can understand your child better and what makes them excited to learn or what makes them not so excited to learn. So I think it comes from, like I said, being your authentic self from moment one and allowing them to respond back in that way. What's so engaging now is this ability to use technology in new ways that we haven't really before. And of course, the pandemic has pushed a lot of technology to our families and through teachers to families. That's really sort of a new frontier videos. I thought that was extremely interesting when you described that. You're not only providing a video for them, but then you're saying, bring me into your world by sharing or showing a video or something that you feel comfortable with. It's a form of communication. It's not always that letter that goes home or that email that goes home. It's now much more broad than that. And of course, we have our students who speak so many different languages, elementary schools that have 27 different languages spoken and how do we communicate with families where English is not their first language? Leanna, how are you working with families where that is the case? In my school district, we definitely have families that speak multiple languages throughout our building. I make it a point to establish a relationship with the ESL teachers and teachers that do speak the home languages of the students, because admittedly, I don't. And I want to make sure that I'm doing whatever I can to make sure that communication is frequent and it's comfortable for them. I've asked several families in the beginning of the year, I, I sent out a survey. Once again, it's a part of a survey I have. Do you prefer letters be sent home in English or a different language or both? Uh, this particular year, most families were comfortable with, with English. So it made it a little bit easier on me this year. But in the past, I've had families request many different languages. You have to do the research. You have to find the teachers that are experts in that area or somebody that you know that can translate. In the technology area, there are apps that can translate for you, although not perfect. It's at least showing the families that you're making the attempt to work with them. I always like to talk to families when we're together, either in person or on Zoom for conferences and have them teach me a little bit of their language or their important words I should know, or did I spell that word right in the letter? Because it's always about a learning experience. I think that if you show them you're open to learn and you're open to, again, get to know them in their language, it makes it a little more comfortable and more of a almost like a humorous and laughing moment where you can, you know, say I'm learning either Spanish or Punjabi, you know, what words should I know? And I think that they appreciate that. That conveys such a respect for the families of our students that we care enough that we want to learn from them as well. And that our communication is two way, not one way. Leanna, would you talk to us about your contribution to the book regarding parent-teacher conferences and how new teachers can use the resource you created? I like to call them family-teacher conferences because, like we said before, families come in all different shapes and sizes. So when you have family-teacher conferences, it's important to be prepared. And in my article that I contributed to, to the book, one of the main focuses I knew I had to put in was 
being prepared, but also be prepared for the unexpected because there are going to be those pop-up questions. And as much as you practice and rehearse, there's going to be those tough moments and there's going to be the moments that you're pleasantly surprised at, but you're not prepared for. We can be as prepared as we can be, but there's also times where we have to know that things aren't always going to go as smoothly. One of the resources I provided was a planning guide. And it's something that I've used and it can be modified however it needs to be for the teacher, but it's just a basic form that has us look as teachers at some important things that we should be sharing with families. For example, an up to speed report card, look at their current grades, you know, right now in reading and language arts, this is the grade math and so on. What are the students' strengths? What areas have they flourished in maybe in the last few weeks? What has been a troublesome area maybe that they showed growth in? Some of the other things that I include on there are SEL, social emotional learning, and how the student is interacting with his or her peers and participating in class because families aren't with us during the day. They don't get to see their child interacting and how excited they get for a science lesson and maybe how not so excited it is come math times. I make sure that I include those types of things because they're equally as important as the academics. And in my article, I focus on that as well to share all different aspects so you get the picture of the whole child. Thank you, Leanna. What's great about this downloadable is it's part of the book. So they get this nice piece that you've written. It's very straightforward. And then they can download that document as a PDF and use it right away. When we think about new teachers, we all know how overwhelmed they can quickly become in that initial year because there's just so much going on. And trying to boil it down to just one bit of advice about family parent teacher conferences, what would you say to a new teacher? I think it goes back to what I mentioned before, and also know that you're not alone. Even us seasoned teachers who have been at this for a long time, sometimes we still get the jitters when it comes to parent teacher conferences. So know that that's okay. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed and it's okay to feel nervous. But once you go through the first round of conferences, you're going to say, wow, it does get a little bit easier. And I can promise you that always be your authentic self. I always like to open up conferences by having families express what worries them the most or what thoughts and questions they have on their mind. And it not only takes a little bit of pressure off of you, but it shows the families right away that you care that much that even though you have hopefully our form from the book um, that I created for you ready to go and you have all of the good things to share and you have your concerns to express, still the number one priority is what they're most concerned about or what their questions are for their child, because you're involved with them in the whole picture. So my biggest piece of advice is to be authentic in that way. Let them speak first, especially if you know, going into it, it's a little bit of a difficult conference coming up, let them speak first and then support them in that way. Even if you don't get to everything on your sheet, you can always send a follow-up message. You can always share a copy of that sheet with them. Having those really authentic and raw conversations that need to happen shows that you care and you're not afraid of having the difficult conversations sometimes. It all goes back to authenticity and just showing the support for the families in your class. I enjoy that you asked the families to have their questions first, because when we think about what we're doing in a family conference is that it's about them. It's not about us. It's about them and their child. And it allows them to have that opportunity to know that they're going to be heard, that they're not just there to listen to us and our perspective. 
but it's really about their child and how they feel and what they think. That's such a great bit of advice. And for more advice from you, Leanna, how could our listeners contact you if they'd like to know more about any of the ideas you shared with us today? Sure. And I would love to hear from the viewers that are listening today, because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. I could probably talk forever about it. Um, I am on social media. You can contact me on both Twitter and even through Instagram at Ms. Malinowski. My last name is spelled M-A-L-I-N-O-W-S-K-Y. I am on Facebook. It's my full name, Liana, and it's spelled L-E-A-N-A with the same last name. And you can definitely look for me there, send me a private message, and we can continue the conversation further. I really appreciate it. And I would look forward to that. Parent family relationships is a critical topic. And we know that this information that you've just shared with us is very helpful to new teachers. As a podcast listener, we hope that you will subscribe or follow this podcast channel. You can also email us at the new teachers guide at gmail.com to comment on this episode and or share ideas for future podcast topics. We also hope you will follow us on Twitter. We are at New Teacher Talk One. We also have every month a Twitter chat, and we encourage you to participate. For Instagram, there you can find us at New Teacher Talk. And remember, as a new teacher, we are here to help you. Mm-hmm.